Taiwan has released its latest national defense report, which covers changes in security over the last two years. The report addresses recent PLA threats against Taiwan, which include warplane harassment and cyber warfare. It points out that China has ramped up defense spending with the goal of fully modernizing its military by 2035. It says that Taiwan must focus on building up its capacity for asymmetric warfare. The Ministry of National Defense has released a new promotional video that underscores the military's resolve to defend the nation. It also published its latest national defense report, which covers China's intensifying military tactics against Taiwan. A total of 554 aircraft invaded our southwestern airspace. This has been an obvious, severe threat to the safety of the Taiwan Strait. With regard to the CCP's frequent deployment of gray zone tactics, besides the frequent intrusions of aircraft and ships. There has also been the use of cognitive warfare and cyber warfare. Each year, 1.7 million international civil aircraft pass through our flight information region. If each one carries 300 people, that's 500 million passengers. The PLA's military harassment of Taiwan has a substantial impact on the safety of international aviation. According to the report, the Biden administration has indicated it will maintain the security of its partners and react proactively to confront the PRC. With Taiwan located on the front line of Chinese aggression, the MND says its strategy is to build a resolute defense and multi-domain deterrence, with a focus on asymmetric warfare. It says the goal is to make Taiwan an island of resilience. Asymmetric warfare is able to maximize limited resources. There are many cases in the annals of war in which the small overcame the great. The report points out that China hopes to complete its military modernization by 2035 to become a world-class force by the mid-21st century. China's military spending has more than doubled since 2012, from 660 billion yuan to 1.355 trillion yuan in 2021. In the report, the MND says it will speed up military restructuring and strengthen its reserve forces to integrate civilian resources into Taiwan's defense strategy. President Tsai Ing-wen made her first appearance on a podcast on Tuesday. Speaking to listeners of a DPP-produced show, Tsai shared her top travel destination after the pandemic. The president also gave her take on the upcoming 4-in-1 referendum. It's her first time on a podcast engaging with the public through sound. President Tsai Ing-wen's last state visit was to five Caribbean allies in 2019. She says she's got one country in mind for her next overseas tour. After the pandemic subsides, if you're able to do it, which country would you like to visit? If I could, I think I would like to visit Lithuania. It's a very brave country. Tsai hailed the courage of Lithuania. Even under pressure from China, Lithuania has pressed ahead with the plan to let Taiwan open an office under its own name. During the podcast, Tsai also shared some of the behind-the-scenes action that went into getting vaccines to Taiwan. 美国, 
Our diplomatic missions in the US, Japan, and even in France, Germany, and India, all of them mobilized. We reached out to everyone, whether it was countries that produce vaccines or countries that ship them or countries that were making related arrangements. Tsai also touched on the 4 in 1 referendum on December 18th on whether to activate the fourth nuclear power plant. Tsai reiterated that doing so was not an option. As for the controversial Datan Energy Project, Tsai said it was possible to preserve the nearby Algol Reef while building a terminal, which would resolve power supply concerns in northern Taiwan. She urged the public to vote disagree on all four ballots. Most of the local government leaders in northern Taiwan have said that activating the fourth nuclear power plant would be unacceptable to them. I hope that everyone can think the matter through carefully and vote disagree on this ballot. Besides appearing on the podcast, Tai made a stop at an awards ceremony for small and medium-sized enterprises. At the event, she said that the outcome of the 4-in-1 referendum would shape Taiwan's industrial development. Li Yujia, chair of the National Association of Small and Medium Enterprises, expressed support for the government's position. This makes him the first head of an industry group to publicly weigh in on the referendum. The CCC has announced its 14th vaccine rollout, and this will be a major drive that administers first shots of AstraZeneca and Moderna to every single person still on the wait list. It will offer second shots of AstraZeneca, Moderna and Pfizer to everyone who's due for full vaccination. Bookings can be made starting Thursday and vaccination will start on Saturday. Let's hear from the CCC. This round of vaccinations encompasses everyone registered on the system. For instance, people who've been waiting for a first or a second dose for a long time. Their time has come. I have always stressed that we would first complete the administration of vaccine brands that people have registered for before considering brand mixing. But I would also like to reiterate that vaccine mixing may become available before the end of the month, depending on inventory. Vaccine mixing won't be allowed in this round of vaccination, but it may be an option by the end of the month. Also on Tuesday, the CCC announced that it will establish clinics to follow up on people who've recovered from COVID-19. Since the start of the pandemic, Taiwan has had more than 16,000 COVID cases, and some report lingering symptoms like fatigue and respiratory problems long after their initial recovery. Well, Bora wardens are crying foul over a new home quarantine policy. In a policy that starts December 14th, travelers will be allowed to quarantine at home during the last four days of their 14-day quarantine period. That home will need to be empty of all other people unless those people are fully vaccinated. Bora wardens have been given the task of enforcing this home quarantine policy, but they say it will be extremely hard to check whether travelers are following the rules. Here at Taipei's Guanyu Borough Office, it's an intense training session on conducting home quarantine checks. A big wave of returnees is expected ahead of the Lunar New Year, and new policy will let them spend the last four days of quarantine in their home. Borough offices are bracing for a spike in workload. Last year with the pandemic, when home quarantine started, all the borough offices' resources were devoted to checking up on home quarantiners. Last year, we had more than 100 people in home quarantine. This year, we're expecting twice as many. To free up space at quarantine hotels, holiday arrivals will be subject to a revised quarantine policy. 
The first 10 days after arrival must be spent at a quarantine hotel or quarantine center. If travelers test negative in two PCR tests after arriving, they will be allowed to return home for the last four days of quarantine. In general, the rule for home quarantine is one person per residence, but a traveler may quarantine in a room inside the family home if the whole family is fully vaccinated against COVID. Barrow wardens say it'll be hard to check whether arrivals are following the rules. If their family members have all received two doses of a COVID vaccine, the returnee can stay with them. But how can we determine if they're fully vaccinated? Are we to make the call? If a friend visits their apartment, we have no way of knowing who they are, whether they are family. This is very troublesome for us. We also can't get volunteers to help us out due to laws on personal data protection. The government will have to draft a plan early on. How many unused spaces do we have? Perhaps through an allocation of manpower, these spaces can be converted into quarantine capacity. Similarly, will there be enough personnel to handle PCR testing at the end of the hotel isolation just before travelers go home and before they start home quarantine? The doctor says the government should try to open up more quarantine facilities. Meanwhile, borough wardens say it's unclear whether vaccines administered abroad count as full vaccination for returnees' family members. They're asking for more details on the CECC's policy to ensure proper enforcement of its pandemic strategy. So did you know that every year the world produces 57.4 million tons of waste from electronics alone? That's more than the combined weight of the entire Great Wall of China. One artist is doing her bit to reduce that mountain of waste in a creative way. Tan Lingchun's robot decorations are made of scrap electronics, a reminder that beauty can come out of a broken object. A robot band plays jazz rock, one singer and one bass player. Both were made from recycled capacitors. I gradually researched all the functions of the components. The capacitators have always been different colors, so their operators can distinguish them. Because I just make people-shaped designs, my robots need clothes to wear, so I could use those colors to make each of them. All the clothes are different. There are robots racing, sumo wrestling, and swimming. There's even a Taipei 101. It's all made from discarded electronics. These bodies are made from IC chips, resistors, and mini capacitors. These ones are mainly made from the on-off button. This one has a body made of a capacitor. First, Jan chooses which components of the discarded motherboards she'll use. She removes the outer layer one by one with pliers. Then, she polishes it down, drills holes, and stitches the components together with copper wire, before screwing the robot to a little copper stand and adding a hat made from an electric filter gauze. And just like that, potential waste has become a unique and heartwarming little piece of art. Taiwan is the kingdom of electronics, but actually, we discard so much stuff every year. When our computer breaks, we can change one of its parts ourselves. We think that when we first opened it up, the computer board looked like a city, so I use scrap computer parts to make various little people. Statistics show the world's overall haul of waste electronics was a whopping 57.4 million tons in 2021. This artist is the 
determined to do her bit to stem the tide. The yellow parts on the circuit board are all real gold. They can be taken off and reused, and the copper sheets and wires too. Because the capacitors are scrap, they don't have any reuse value. Also, they break easily, and they contain the most scrap materials, so we want to give them a new life. This workshop is saving electronics from the scrap heap, giving precious metals a new function, and producing adorable decorations to tickle the fancy of every tech fan. The results are in for the voucher program's bonus lottery. Taiwan's economics minister drew the winning numbers live on Tuesday. 23 prizes were up for grabs, including an electric bike worth 120,000 dollars. But the lottery was only open to people who chose to collect their quintuple stimulus vouchers virtually. The bonus lottery was one of the several incentives exclusive to digital vouchers. So far, more than 4.7 million people have chosen to go virtual, three times the figure in last year's program. In 2019, the Ministry of Education launched a program to promote technology-assisted teaching that supports autonomous learning. One participant in the program has been Taoyuan's Renhe Elementary School. When COVID-19 struck Taiwan uh, earlier this year, the school used the tools it gained through the program to keep classes going even when the school was closed. Here at Taoyuan's Renhe Elementary School, Chiu Yiming connects with his students just before an online lesson. Technological tools can keep education going even during a pandemic. When the teacher asks a question, you raise your hand. You press the button for raising your hand. After you press it, turn on the microphone and then you can talk. Online learning is a very good way to learn. You can learn at your own pace. You don't need to worry about the teacher going too fast for you to understand. You can ask the teacher questions. With the advancement of technology, there is no longer only one way to impart knowledge. Teachers have options that make it possible to keep giving lessons in a pandemic. I feel that pedagogically, there is a gap between physical teaching and online teaching. We're always encouraging teachers to engage in such pedagogy, because our school is part of the Ministry of Education's Adaptive Learning Program. So when they're teaching classes, they're fully prepared. They go about it with professionalism and autonomy and with creative freedom. We've implemented online learning for some time now, and although we have seen a small difference, the effectiveness of online learning is undeniable. The pandemic has changed the world, and the trajectory of the virus is unclear. These factors have sparked a global boom in online learning. Through the Ministry of Education's promotional program for technology-assisted learning, teachers and students have gained the tools they need to face the tests of the virus. By way of digital learning, schools are able to break down the barriers of space so that students can stay home in a pandemic and keep learning. So have you ever heard of the three-second rule? Well, most of us have. I know I have. Lots of people think it's no biggie to eat the food that's dropped on the floor if you pick it up quickly enough. 
The idea is that not many germs get on the food if it's only on the floor for a few seconds. But with COVID-19 in the mix, officials from the Ministry of Health and Welfare say they don't advise picking food off the floor at all. We spoke to a doctor to find out more. Take a look. You're munching on a snack when, before you know it, it's fallen on the floor. Lots of us subscribe to something like the three-second rule. You can pick it up and eat it if it's only been on the floor three seconds or maybe five seconds. But this doctor cautions that's not a good idea. People say within three seconds or five seconds, if our food should fall on the ground, microorganisms in our environment on the ground will attach themselves to it within a very short period of time. If we then eat it, there may be a risk of food poisoning. There are lots of bacteria, viruses and other things that we can't see with the naked eye. So should you ever eat something off the ground? A study at a British university found that moist foods such as a piece of cake or a spoonful of pasta and sauce will pick up more and more microbes the longer they stay on the ground. But if the food has a hard surface, think hard biscuits or crackers or hard cheese, the study showed it could stay up to half an hour on the floor without picking up more microbes than it did at the start. The material of the floor makes a difference too. Food picks up more microbes from a wood or tiled floor than from carpet. But this doctor says the risks are still high. Actually, it's also wrong to quickly pick the food up, wash it under the tap and keep on eating. Washing it under the tap like that can't kill the pathogens on it. Common pathogens which can cause food poisoning include E. coli and salmonella. If you accidentally ingest these on your food, you could end up with stomach pain, diarrhea or vomiting. The Ministry of Health and Welfare recently issued a special statement advising the public not to eat food off the floor, no matter how many seconds it sat there. No doubt the presence of COVID-19 has highlighted the potential to pick up pathogens from our surroundings. So every year, more than 10 million tons of waste plastic goes straight into the ocean. The sight of plastic polluting the seas and harming ocean life is now an environmental cliché. For one Taiwanese bag designer, it was the inspiration to turn to recycling. His ocean-themed brand is made from recycled ocean waste and has won numerous accolades. We took a trip to the factory to find out how it's done. The tail of a whale. Because in ocean topics, whales are the biggest mammal. This fashionable rucksack is shaped like a whale's tail, and it's made of ocean waste. A line of waves beats against the shore, bringing with them a tide of plastic waste. Straws, plastic bags, drink cups. Scenes like these have spurred Taiwanese designers to rethink their business. This bag maker wants his designs to be part of the solution. So then we saw the sea turtles or the seabirds getting straws stuck in their beaks or stuck in a big pile of waste. I think brands should do something meaningful. What should brands do? We should use our brand power to raise new awareness of social issues and environmental issues. So Xu Nangjun set out to collect garbage from ocean waste collection stations. First it has to be sorted and then converted into plastic particles, after which it can be reprocessed and spun into material. This gauze is spun from plastic particles which have been melted down. Right now the finest material we can make is 15 denier, which is a very thin gauze. Spinning machines work constantly to put out spool after spool of thread, which is then strengthened by adding starch. 
The thread is woven into fabric, then dyed and glazed. Finally, the strips of fabric are sewn into a beautiful wearable bag. Inside, we use a green label saying, Save the ocean by recycling. Through recycling, let's save the ocean. Since this company was founded in 2016, its annual turnover has soared from 80 million to 200 million NT dollars. And in 2017 and 2019, the green brand was honored with multiple awards. It was harder at first, actually. Later, when we got the Taiwan Excellence Award, people think that if the brand does something good for the environment, then consumers will like it. Aligning the brand with the idea of recycling was a great business move for this designer. But to truly free the ocean from plastic will take changes on a deeper level. Well, chilly weather has set in with the arrival of gusty northwesterly winds. The lowest temperature in Taiwan was recorded at 13.8 degrees in New Taipei, and it's set to get even colder later this week. On Thursday, temps could drop as low as 13 degrees in central Taiwan and 14 degrees in the north. Let's hear from the Central Weather Bureau. From yesterday afternoon to today in the early morning, a passing front and strengthening northeasterly winds caused temperatures to drop in the north and south. From Tuesday evening to Wednesday, water vapor and falling temperatures may bring snow to mountainous areas above 3,500 meters. Due to radiative cooling and the northeasterly winds, we may see the lowest temperatures yet in the early hours of Thursday. It'll be sunny during the day, and that will bring temperatures up, making for big temperature swings. In some areas of southern Taiwan, the day-night temperature difference could reach 12 to 14 degrees. With the cooler weather, come cravings for classic winter dishes, such as ginger duck soup and herbal lamb stew. These hearty dishes are great for staying warm in the cold, but pharmacists warn that some of the ingredients can interfere with medication. People taking medication are, are advised to check in with their doctor about adverse reactions.